Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at some of the moms in the Bible. And uh, the first person that we're going to look at is Eve. And each of the women that I show you today are going to have a characteristic that I'm going to bring out. And guys and girls here today, whether you're a mom or a teenager or younger or, or you're a guy, see what qualities you have, but I'm going to direct it mainly to the moms today. But uh, these biblical qualities should be in all of us. In Genesis 3.20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. So there we get introduced to Eve as being the mom, the mother of all the living. And I call Eve the person of the word. She's a person of the word. And we're going to see why I chose that for Eve. <clears throat> In Genesis 3.16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, moms, you know that. That's a natural thing, right? When you're giving birth to your child and the pain you go through. And I know, being a teacher of 41 years, and that you're still having some pains with your children, um, especially if they're preteens or teens or maybe right after the teen years. Well... Eve can relate, or did relate, to where you are. In Genesis 3, 3 and 4, it says, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. Now this was a conversation that Eve had in the Garden of Eden. And you have to remember that God spoke with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve heard God's Word. And just like us, we hear God's Word, but how much do we take in? How much do we filter? How much do we let go? Well, we see here that in the development of Eve becoming a person of the Word, she messed up. And one of the main things she messed up in here is when she said to the serpent, God told me that I shouldn't eat it or touch the fruit, or I'm going to die. Now, she had part of God's Word right, but she didn't have the complete word of God, understanding of God's Word because God never said anything about touching it. Only about eating it. And Satan, being a scholar of God's Word, said, you're not going to die. So before you eat something, what do you have to do? You've got to touch it. You have to touch it. So when Eve touched it, guess what? She didn't die. So, 2 plus 2 equals 4. I'm not going to die touching it, so I'm not going to die eating it. And that was a deception. So moms, ladies, guys, we have to be people of the Word. We have to understand God's Word. We can't just take it lightly. Through her failing, though, 
you have to understand that Eve became more of a master of God's Word because she realized she had to look back to see what took place as a result of her misunderstanding. Genesis 3.21, it said, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. The first salvation is taking place right here. In order to get an animal, you have to shed blood. God took these animals and killed them and took the skin from them and offered that to Adam and Eve as a covering. We know initially they took the fig leaves. It was man's attempt and woman's attempt to get right with God. It was really the first, it was a fig leaf religion. It was man's attempt to bridge that gap. Didn't work. Didn't work. But God showed us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So he slayed these animals, gave them the skin, and Adam and Eve took that skin and they were clothed. Just like you and I, when we accept the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and we put faith in Him as our Lord and Savior, we're covered in His robe of righteousness. We're no longer sinners in His sight. We're saved. We're His sons and daughters, princes and princesses. Genesis 4.25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Tragedy, pain in this mom's life. I know some of you, just from the years, some of the pain that you're going through, some of the tragedy that you have happened in your life. You saw my sister up there, her first husband committed suicide. Just the pain of that. And now her son is 40 years old and he's doing good, but he had some terrible turmoil as a result of that. So this human race that we have, the life that we have, there's pain in it sometimes. But through that all, it should drive us all to our knees. And moms, I just know my mom, when she used to drop us off at school, she used to go to church and just pray for my sister my brother and myself. And now my brother and I are pastors and during the last 10 years of my mom's life when she was bedridden with going through uh, cancer and stuff, that's when my sister came to the Lord. She had my mom right in her house. You know, so the Lord knew what it was going to take to get to my, mom, uh, to my sister's heart. And He knew what was going to get to my heart and my brother's and He knows what's going to get to your heart. But I just want to encourage you moms, knowing a great example is my mom. Be a, a woman of the Word and a prayer warrior. Pray. And we'll see that in a couple of the other ladies that we're going to look at um, in a few minutes. 2 Corinthians 1, 13, uh, 11, 13, But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You know, we just need to be simple. You know, I remember just my mom, how she just did the simple things that made us so safe and secure. It made us feel so safe and secure. And as believers in Jesus Christ, just the simplicity of God's Word, just allow that to just enter your heart and just change you from the inside out. That's what He does. That same compassion, that same love, that same uh, agape love that 
unconditional love that you have for your children is the same love and compassion and caring that God has for all of us in this building that hear, hears these words today. Psalm 119.11, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And again, that's for everybody. But mom, your influence is so big. It's so huge. It's, it's unbelievable. The impact you have on not only your uh, children, but also your husband. Okay, the next person we're going to look at is Sarah. Okay, Sarah, Abraham's wife. She was barren. She didn't have any children. And I call her a person of hope and trust. Being a person of hope and trust. In Genesis 18, 13 and 14, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Surely I, uh, surely I shall bear a child since I am old. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. So this was only part of a conversation that God was having with Abraham. And Sarah was hiding out in her tent listening. And she laughed when she heard that she was going to become pregnant. She was almost 90 years old and her husband was almost 100. She didn't think this was even possible. But understand something. And I think this is something the Lord put on my heart for us all. But especially for the moms tonight. It doesn't matter where you are with your walk with the Lord. You might have blown many years uh, with your family. Who knows the conditions, the situations that you're in today. Sarah became pregnant, okay, through a miracle. Okay? She was barren, past the years of childbearing. But God worked a miracle in her life, and as a result of that miracle, her hope and trust grew greater in the Lord. And I can guarantee you, like Eve, she became more a woman of the Word as a result of what God did in her life after the, the loss or the things that weren't happening. It came later. She trusted after she became pregnant. She hoped more after because she knew if God could do this, He's the God of the impossible. He can do anything. So where you are today, you might feel that you're in that impossible situation or maybe you came to the Lord later on in life and you have a lot of children that are older. It's not too late. As long as there's a breath of life and we can still walk on this earth, God can do miraculous things. He can turn things around. He can take the day that the locust destroyed and make it complete again because He's a miracle-working God. He's the maker of miracles. In Romans 9, 9, it says, For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. Well, how great is it? And how do we really expose ourselves to God's word and his promises, knowing that every promise that God has directed to you will be fulfilled? But yet we live so many times like we don't have those kind of promises. Yet our God is a promise-keeping God. I can't keep all my promises as a guy, 
as a husband, as a dad. I would like to, but I'm frail. I, I, there's, it's impossible. But God can. God can. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. My mom wasn't the perfect mom. She made mistakes, but she had a heart after God like David did. She was a woman after God's own heart. Pray that we are all those kind of human beings, that we are people after God's own heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Even in the things that are going on today, even in those things that you can't understand, even if your moms are already gone or maybe they're sick or they're not the same as they used to be, God is still working in them to reach the people that they've always touched. Because He's a miracle-working God. Next lady, Naomi. She was the mother-in-law of Ruth. And Ruth said to her when both when Naomi's husband died, when Ruth's husband died, and when the other um, daughter-in-law's husband died, Naomi was going to leave the land of Moab and she was going to go back to Israel. She had been in Moab for a long time. Long time. And everything she went there for was dead. And she had two daughter-in-laws, one of them being Ruth. And as Naomi was leaving, she told Ruth to go back to her people. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back <clears throat> from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. During that time that she was their mother-in-law, something happened. Something rubbed off to Ruth that she would want to leave her home, land, and go to a land she didn't even know about. She didn't even know about that land or the people of that land and the culture of that land. But the impact that Naomi had on Ruth was so strong that Ruth made this statement. Ladies, you are tremendous mentors. God has built that into you. Are there people in your life that you are mentoring? My mom mentored me and my sister and my brother when we didn't even know it, just through her words and her example. Who are you mentoring? Well, Pastor Vinny, I haven't been mentoring everybody. I haven't even thought about it like that. Cool. Well, that's why God has this message for you people today. It's never too late to start. I look at Mother's Day as New Year's Day. It's a New Year's Day. New starts, new hopes, new direction. Go for it. Whatever the Lord is putting on your heart, go for it. Give it to Him. You're His child that 
He loves you more than you could ever love your human child. Think about that one. And I know there's a lot of moms in here that would die for your child. In Titus 2.3 it says, Older women likewise that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. Here are some of the characteristics of a great mentor. You're reverent in your behavior towards others and towards your Savior. You're not slanderers. You're not gossips. You're, you're controlled by God's Holy Spirit, not by the things of the earth. You drink of the Holy Spirit. You don't allow the things of the world to cloud your judgment. You're teachers of good things. Not things that the world teaches, but you're separate because your God died just for you to make you holy. Also, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to mentor them, to show them a godly, older example. And it doesn't have to be women in their 50s, 60s, 70s, or 80s to be mentors. It can be a 30-year-old to a young 20-year-old who's gone through some things, and they can share this with the younger women. How to love their husbands, who are sometimes tough to love, right, ladies? Sometimes these guys are knuckleheads, myself included. What Pastor Joe was sharing about the animal kingdom. Boy, talk about object lessons, huh? It's amazing to love their children, to be discreet. Discreet is being of a sound mind, curbing your own desires for the desire of your Savior, your Lord. You're self-controlled. I think of the ladies at the cross. We were talking about this last night at the uh, youth group, how the ladies and just the Apostle John were the only ones at the crucifixion. All the he-men were hiding out because they thought they were going to be killed next. But the women were right there out in the open, right at the foot of the cross, where you and we all need to be. Also to be chaste. Chaste is, I like this definition, exciting reverence. Exciting reverence. You're looking forward to do it. You're pumped to be reverent before the Lord. To be modest, to be pure from every fault. And in your own strength, guess what? Not going to happen. But by the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit, that's how you fulfill what's being here in Titus. And it goes on to say, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Heck with your husbands, you're doing it unto the Lord. And in that will change your husband's heart if you're struggling with your mate. Another person that we're looking at is Hannah. Uh, Hannah's awesome. Hannah was barren, but she was much younger than Sarah. Wasn't blessed with children. And she would pray. And one of the things that happened in 1 Samuel 1.11, she made a vow and she said to the Lord, if you will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. 
and no razor shall come upon his head. And she would go to the temple and she would pray for this child that she would become pregnant. And guess what? She became pregnant. And in 1 Samuel, you can read this story. And what happens in 1 Samuel is when the child, as he was getting older in 1 Samuel 1.22, the husband went up to the temple for worship and to pay the vows. But Hannah didn't go up here in verse 22, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Hannah knew that her time with her child was short. And that when she brought him to the temple, he was going to remain there. And he had the vow of a Nazarite where he was going to cut his hair. He would never have anything, any drink taken from the grapevine. He could not be around any dead thing. John the Baptist was a Nazarene. Samson was a Nazarene, but he broke his vows. Okay? But here's Hannah. Knowing that her time was short. My mom's been passed for about 20 years now. But it seems like yesterday. No, absolutely. Actually, right, Maria? It's not that long, is it? Holy mackerel. Time. How many years? Oh, I'm close. Okay, 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. <clears throat> 10 years. But it seems just like yesterday. And like I said to you before, I, I miss her face. I remember her face. How common it was. How much love there was in it. And uh, Hannah knew that her time was short with her son. Moms, you know if you have older sons, and I know there's some people back from college today, you know how quick that is since they were that little infant. And now they're young men. They're off to college. Some of your sons, daughters are married. How fast that has gone. To the people being married, the kids, doesn't seem long yet, but it will. You know, or short, I'm sorry, how short it is. And it will be short to them one day when they have their own children and they see how fast the growth process ta ta takes. It just goes in a blink of an eye. Never take for granted the blessings that God has given you in your family because it doesn't last forever. The memories do, but not the actual presence of those people. Another great lady of the scriptures is Rahab. She was a person of faith. And she was the one who was, lived in the walls of Jericho. And she heard that the Israelites were coming that way. And two spies were sent out and they were going into Jericho to check it out. And the king of Jericho found out and he wanted to get those spies. So they had a uh, communication with Rahab, and Rahab actually hid out the spies so that her king wouldn't find them and kill them or interrogate them or torture them. And in Josh, uh, 
Joshua 2.13, it says, And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and deliver our lives from death. She was asking them for protection because she had heard about their God. She had heard about the Red Sea experience. She had heard about everything that took place with the destruction of the Egyptian army. She put her faith in that God and she wanted to be protected by that God and those people of that God. And in Hebrews 11.31, which we call the Hall of Faith, you know, the Hall of Faith. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. So she was protected. She lived. And what's so cool, Rahab goes on to be one of the integral parts of the family line of the birth of Jesus Christ. She gives birth to a guy named Boaz. And Boaz marries Ruth. And Ruth's line gives birth to Jesus. So remember way back in that other story with Naomi and Ruth. Ruth didn't want to leave her mentor. She gleaned everything from her. She hung in there. And as a result of that obedience, she ends up meeting Boaz. They, they become one. And the story goes on. If you've never read the book of Ruth, it's a great love story. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith grows every time you go to church, every time you read, up, read your Bible, every time you discuss the Scriptures. Your faith is growing. We need to grow. We need to get stronger. There's so many things out there that are trying to make us weaker. We need to have our face in the book. We need to meditate on God's Word. We have to understand and not miss any part of the Word. We can't think we understand it like Eve did, only to find out after the fact that we blew it because we didn't understand the whole counsel of God. That's what's so great about this church. We go Genesis to Revelation. And again, Genesis to Revelation. You're getting the whole picture, not just little itty-bitty parts of it. <clears throat> Another great lady, Elizabeth. A person filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke 1.41, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer here tonight, men and women, boys and girls, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But are you constantly relying on God's Holy Spirit to continue to just fill you to overflowing so you can take part in the works of services that He lays out before you, whatever that may be? Well, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Mary is coming up. Mary is finding out by the angel that she's going to be pregnant with God Himself. Now, you've got to understand, someone who was pregnant and wasn't married, they could be stoned to death. Well, Mary, you've got to think of her mental state. Now she's going to Elizabeth, her relative, and as she comes into Elizabeth's presence, the baby in Elizabeth's wounds jumps for joy. And if you don't know who that baby was in Elizabeth's womb, it was John the Baptist, 
who's about six months older than Jesus. So here's the forerunner, the one who's going to who's crying out in the wilderness about the Messiah coming, is psyched right in the womb of Elizabeth that here is the mother that's going to bring Jesus into the world. So it's so awesome how God works. The miracles of a mom is the miracle of what God does in the life of a mom. The importance of that mom. And the miracles that he allows that mom to do in the life of her family is incredible through the power of the Holy Spirit. The last lady we're going to look at is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she's a magnifying glass. She's a magnifying glass. And Luke 1.38 says that Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. And this is, of course, when she had the uh, conversation with the angel. And notice it says, Mary says, Behold, I'm a bond slave. I'm a willing slave of the Lord. He's my God. She was a woman of the Word. She was mentored. She hid God's Word in her heart. She knew the Old Testament. Let it be done to me according to your Word. And then the angel left. And then we see in Acts 1.14, I love this one. After Jesus ascended into heaven, all the people that were with him went back into Jerusalem. And they went to an upper room. And it's, this is part of that, what took place. And it says in verse 14, These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And we see that Mary is praying there. She's not being prayed to. She's, being, she's a prayer person with everybody else. Remember the other one. There's in, uh, in the Gospel, it says that Mary says, My Lord, my Savior. Mary, like us, needs a Savior. But here we see that Mary was praying with the apostles and the disciples and the other people in this room. They are of one mind. They're on the same page. The Holy Spirit was working within these believers to continue what you and I have picked up the baton to continue. The body of Christ on this earth. The church. The living church. Because we adhere to the living God through His living Word. In John 2.5, Another great one. This is at the wedding feast of Cana where they ran out of the wine. And Jesus had not yet really started His ministry. And Jesus' mom mom came up to Him and said, Hey, Jesus, you know, the wedding feast, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said, Mom, my time hasn't come yet. It's not my time to be revealed. And this is where Mary says in verse 5, His mother said to the servants, Whatever He says to you, I love this, this helped me so much early in my life, do it. The Nike symbol, you know, right guys? Girls, the Nike symbol, just means just do it. Long before Nike came around. Our God. 
whatever, and here's Mary saying, whatever he says to you, do it. She didn't look to herself as the Savior and Redeemer. She pointed everybody to Jesus. She was the magnifying glass. And in Luke 1, 46, 47, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Some religions call Mary the co-redeemer. No. If you touch the fruit, you'll die. No, that's not how the Word says it. The Word doesn't go there. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God. My Savior, Mary, is saying. So she needed a Savior just like you and I. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.